You're listening to the Guided Path Podcast. I'm Jessica, a spiritual medium. And I'm Shannon, an intuitive business coach. Journey with us as we guide you towards your authentic path and purpose. Together, we will explore how intuitive gifts, spiritual practices, and healing modalities help bring you back to your highest self. Because when you follow the guided path, your potential is limitless. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? It's great. You know, it's going awesome. <laughs> um, so today's episode, we decided to do something a little bit different. So Shannon and I, um, as some of you know, have a Facebook group for this podcast for our community called the Guided Path Facebook group or just the Guided Path. Um, And in that book, um, once a month, we choose a different book that's usually a self-help book. Um, Sometimes it's about manifestation, sometimes it's about personal development. And we read the book and then we all kind of get together and have a book club afterwards. Um, And the book that we read this month, we really, really enjoyed. And we wanted to kind of just share our reflections of um, and our experience of actually putting this book into practice. Um, So yeah, a little bit of a different episode, but we really feel like it could help a lot of people and maybe get them to um, give it a try, um, some of these things, because we found that we've been doing what this book said for a couple of weeks now, and we found it to be pretty transformational. Um, So we thought we'd share it with you guys. (laughs) Yep. Sounds good. So I bet at this point, you're probably wondering, what's the book? (laughs) That's quite the intro. Um, So the book we're going to be talking about is The High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. And if you um, are anywhere on social media or listen to other podcasts, you've definitely uh, heard about this book because she's been on the circuit and talking about it a lot. And it's gotten rave reviews. And, um, you know, I think for the most part, like when we read it, it really had some good, really good key takeaways and some good things to implement. So we wanted to talk about it here. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure her book came out not too long ago. Um, Yeah. I think it was end of September when she started kind of launching it or it launched either end of September or early October. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, it is now um, November. So we just read the book. Um, I don't know when this episode is coming out, so it might be a little later when this episode comes out, but at least for right now, as we're recording this episode, it's November. And um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about first and foremost, um, what the high five habit is and um, kind of our key takeaways from the book or kind of a little, you know, a little, um, (laughs) what's it called when you review a book? (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long time since college, people. Um, Our little synopsis. Um, So first and foremost, it's really just like looking at yourself in the mirror every morning and giving yourself a high five in the mirror. Yep. It's Um, as simple and dorky as that, right? It is simple and it is dorky, um, but it's a little bit more than that. And um, it's not just like give a high five and walk away. Like it's really like, look at yourself, be with yourself for a moment and then give yourself a high five. You don't necessarily have to say anything. Although I have been finding myself like either laughing at myself and, or saying something like you go girl. Nice. <laughs> do it Cause it just feels so silly to like, just high five yourself in the mirror sometimes. And I'm sure at some point this will just become habit and it'll be, it'll feel a little less awkward. Um, but I definitely find myself just like feeling like I need a little catchphrase. And I was just like, you got this or you go girl. 
Now I have a question for you. Do you actually hit the mirror with your hand? Because I was doing that at first. And then my husband's like, why are all these handprints all over the mirror? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need to one, get some more Windex and clean my mirror more often. And two, just, I kind of go on the side of the mirror. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was doing too. Um, probably for the same reason, but mostly because I was worried I was going to knock the mirror over. Ours is just like hanging on one little nail. So I was like, um, maybe I should just like gently like almost touch the mirror, but not quite touch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess like her purpose for doing this, like, I mean, that's what the whole book about is like, why, uh, why would you high five yourself in the mirror as silly as it sounds? And a lot of it has to do with like loving yourself and building up self-esteem, right. And building up your self-esteem. And they're saying like, everybody tells you that it's good to have a good self-esteem, but nobody really tells you how. Right. Um, and she's saying, you know, that, um, a lot of the times we look to others to validate us and to give it to to get give it to us, and we seek that validation externally. And she sort of her ba her sort of um, theory here is like, well, why can't you give it to yourself? And you should give it to yourself. And if you give it to yourself first, um, then you'll receive it from others. But it won't matter who who gives it to you as long as you take care of yourself first. Right. Exactly. And I I, I want to point out too that there is science that she uses behind this. Um, you know, like typically we're wired since we we're little. You know, a high five is a it's it's encouragement. It's a way to go. We give others high five you know, whether they did something good or they did something, you know, not so good, or, you know, it's really a way to boost other people. And so it's using that what's wired in our brain is a positive thing that's associated with high-fiving. Um, and so when you high-five yourself, that trains your brain kind of to high-five yourself, right? To, to encourage yourself because it's associated with all this positive stuff. So when you do it to yourself, your brain associates positive stuff, stuff with, with you, and, yeah. and how you can encourage yourself, right? Because we're, we're always, well, we're hard on ourselves, typically, yeah. right? Yeah. We don't, we aren't, we would never talk to other people the way that we talk to ourselves. And so this is a way of looking at like, how do I talk to myself and how do I treat myself? Um, and how do I do it in, in comparison to others? And how can I kind of change that behavior, but also change kind of the wiring in the brain behind it as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like reprogramming that subconscious loop or that bad habit of negative talk and negative self-talk for sure. And um, it's a good point when you said she does incorporate like a lot of really interesting studies mm -hmm. of, um, you know, groups and where they did incorporate high fives and how performance actually was affected by that. So I remember there, there were two that really stuck out for me. One, when she was talking about um, the school children where she had like three different groups mm -hmm. and one, they motivated them by like saying, you'll get a good grade if you do well or whatever. Um, another one, they, encourage them through like growth mindset so like you know just keep working hard and like and praising their growth or praising their persistence um and then the last group they didn't say anything to them they just gave them high five and then sent them off to work <laughs> and the group the group that performed the highest was the group that just got the high five they didn't have any verbal cues and so that's just how powerful that physical like high five action um yeah. can be in your brain and how positively we associate um it with like you know how much we positively associate it with good things and um it's really really cool to see yeah and she even says there's a name for that there is a scientific name for that it's neurobics and it's associating positive stuff with actually moving uh, doing a physical action so it's changing your brain in different ways so and that so i thought that was really interesting too like oh 
aerobics is a thing. <laughs> yeah, who knew? And it's actually, that was a cool thing too, is um, to think that it's like, you can, you can think positive thoughts all day long, but if yeah. you put a physical action to it, like that's going to make a big leap and bound of a difference in comparison to just trying to think positive all day long. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I also feel like that's hard to do. Like, I know that we, you and I, we like to talk a lot about manifestation and a lot of the manifestation people say like, just thinking positive thoughts, isn't going to change anything because yeah. you know, it's changing your beliefs. And so this physical act is actually changing the way you believe and feel about yourself. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the other was the other one that you were going to mention. Was it the sports team, the, the basketball team? Yeah. yeah you that. that was fascinating that was too. Yeah. So what was it? What was it? It was, uh, that they like, yeah. And it was, a, it was a, I well, I'll probably get this wrong, but it's like Stanford or Harvard or something studied pre, um, preseason, um, NBA teams, how many times they, they counted how many times they either high-fived each other or, you know, like pat each other on the back or what they were doing, um, pregame. And then, so they tallied them, like which teams had the most kind of amount of physical touch basically and encouragement via high fives and pats. And then at the end of the season, they could predict based on those numbers, who was going to win the championship. And they did. I don't, I don't know who the team was, or it doesn't, I don't, don't know the specifics, but it's just showing that, um, that teamwork, that performance, that, you know, encouragement and that building of trust goes a long way and actually in a physical action. And it shows at the end of the day, what kind of results come out. So yeah. And it's funny because I, the thing I loved about that story is I know like Mel Robbins says in her book, like, yeah, like, you know, people always ask her, well, why can't we just high five someone else or like have someone else high five us? And for her, the point, you know, is especially that you're giving this like self-love, you know, yeah. to yourself and making sure that it always comes from you. But on the flip side of that, I definitely took that study and I was like, well, you definitely can transfer that confidence to somebody else through a high five. And so sometimes now when I see my husband just like getting down on himself or whatever, like sometimes I really will just be like, high five, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And like, and we'll just have like a little chuckle and then move on with our day. Right. But it is kind of funny. Like it's a good way, you know how they say, like, if you want to shift the energy, right. They'll say like, turn on a song and like do yeah. a little dance or like scream or like do something different to change the energy. And like, it can be as simple as just like high five. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we're not always going to have someone around us when we really need that cheering on and motivation or just lifting our spirits. Um, and so this is a great way to really train ourselves to be our own advocate, to be our own cheerleader. You know, it's, it's, we have to validate ourselves. We, it can't come from the external. I think that's the biggest point is we have to do it ourselves. This is, um, and we, and we don't right now, <laughs> a lot of us don't we're often kind of trained not to. And a lot of the times, yeah. you know, we do seek external validation. And a lot of that has to do with like scarring from our school days where, yeah. you know, your whole like amount of success is measured down to a letter grade, you know, and all of those things and needing somebody else to determine whether or not you're good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure there's many other, you know, parts of uh, our upraising um, that have probably affected, affected our self-esteem and our negative self-talk. I'm sure there's a lot of different ways, but um, if we can kind of start to reprogram that and be like no, no no I get to decide that I'm doing well and I get to decide that you know today's going to be a good day and I got this and I'm doing well and kind of decide it even before you've done anything else in the day yeah right? she says you do it like first thing in the morning like as soon as you go into that bathroom to brush your teeth like give yourself a high five um 
Yeah. And it really does have that effect of like, I'm going to start my day this way of like, it doesn't matter whatever else happens this day. Like I've already succeeded. Like I've already told myself you've got this. Right. It's like starting off on the right foot. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, Shannon, like having been doing this for, you know, a couple of weeks now, how have you, have you noticed any changes in yourself, like from doing this? I will say that it has become a habit. Um, I don't know that I've, I've seen any physical changes or anything like that, but it, it is like, every time I look in the mirror, it's like, Oh, okay. High five. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, you know, it's like, I don't want to be it to become too automatic, but at the same time, it's probably not a bad thing that it becomes automatic. Right. Um, yeah, no, I don't think it's a bad thing. If it becomes automatic that it, you get into the habit of constantly encouraging yourself. I don't see the negative in that <laughs> like, right. anything wrong there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say the same for me. Like I, even though we've been doing it for a couple of weeks now, um, I still feel pretty silly when I do it. (laughs) Like I'll catch myself and and maybe that is like the process of unprogramming, like all of those years of negative self-talk, right. That, you know, you're, you're so not used to, um, telling yourself, (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> like good job you're so like it, it just feels weird and it feels awkward so I'm hoping that over time maybe that will shift for me yeah. and that it'll feel good to do it instead of like silly awkward shy kind of a thing right I feel like every time I do it now like I'm just chuckling like at myself like this feels so silly <laughs> yeah I think for me too it's it's one thing to do it alone in the bathroom mirror right but if anybody sees me do it I'm like no I'm not doing that because <laughs> it still feels like that awkward what are you I don't know what am I doing kind of thing but yeah that's true and I mean she even does say that in the book she says like do it when you're in the bathroom like when you're brushing your teeth because your chances are you're alone and yeah like self-conscious about anyone judging you and she's absolutely right like I don't I think that if I was like in a public washroom I probably wouldn't high five myself in the mirror (laughs) no (laughs) no but I'm even just talking about like I always wait because I am I live with two boys (laughs) and I have to fight for the bathroom in the morning because they're getting up they're going off to school and going to work so I'm usually the last one in the bathroom so I have to wait until you know they're all gone and out of the house before I do that little ritual because I'm not doing it. <laughs> not doing it with them all looking over my shoulder. <laughs> I totally hear you. Yeah. Cause I can only imagine like you're, how old is your son? Like 17? 17. Yeah. Like mom, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. And you should be like, high five. You want to try? <laughs> you know what? You're right. I should, you know what? I, I will probably do that. Cause he, you know what? He has so much self-confidence anyway, but he, he probably doesn't need it, but can't hurt to, can't hurt to try. No, can't hurt to add it. I'm sure I'll definitely be doing it with my currently unborn child eventually when they're old <laughs> enough to understand it. We'll like high five ourselves in the morning. Um, but I will say like from this book, like she does, she she starts by talking about just like giving yourself a high five in the morning, but then moves on to kind of like a high five attitude and a whole bunch of other kind of tips and tricks. And I think that those things probably have been a little bit more transformational for me um, in some of those routines that she adds to your morning routine um, then maybe just the high five alone. Right. Um, so I'd love for us to talk a little bit about that. Like the one thing that I think touched us both really, um, deeply was kind of when she talks about giving, um, high-fiving your heart. Yes. Um, and she tells you to like, as soon as you wake up in the morning to put your hand on your heart and say, I'm okay, I'm safe and I'm loved. Yep. And just like a, 
a morning, it's almost like a, an instant reset on your nervous system to kind of give that to yourself and like tell yourself that you're actually, everything's okay, you know, and center and ground yourself. And it's like a really quick, easy way to do that. Yeah. That really resonated with me. She talks about kind of her history of anxiety and she's a very anxious person. And that's been really healing for her and kind of grounded her, her and, and kind of healed her nervous system really. And so I can totally relate to that. And it's not just in the morning. It's like any time of day where you feel anxious or nervous or, you know, just out of sorts, it's really easy to just put your hands over your heart and repeat those affirmations. I actually changed it a little bit because, um, I changed it to, instead of, um, what was it again? She said, I am safe. I am I'm okay. I am I'm safe. Okay. I'm loved. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do is I am safe. I am supported. I am loved. I think that just resonated with me better. So feel free to change it if you want. But, um, and so anytime yeah. I do that and you just can repeat it as long as you want, as many times as you want until you feel like, you know, you've calmed down a little bit. I do it at night when I go to bed, I see my gratitude list. And then I just kind of go through that routine. And then any other times that just, um, I can feel the anxiety rise up and I'll, I'll kind of do that little exercise and it, it, I don't know why it just helps. It really does help. And, um, it does actually help sometimes to repeat it more than once. Sometimes Definitely. I find like you, like you said, like it almost like you have to keep repeating it until you find yourself calming down. Um, mm -hmm. and it really, it's like hitting the reset button almost and reminding yourself like that, like, as they say, like, there's no saber tooth tiger coming to get you. Right. And it's really just like in this moment, come back to the present moment. You are safe right where you are. And it kind of puts your feet back on the ground and repositions you to where you really are right now. So I really, really love that. Yeah. And I think another thing too, is sometimes when we get in that state and we, we aren't aware of like our breathing, we're either not breathing or breathing really fast. That's a good way to just come back to your breath. And as you repeat those, just, I notice myself being more aware of, okay, deep breaths in, deep breaths out, say the, say the mantras over and over and over. And it just, um, it, I'm able to kind of calm myself. Yeah, it's really good. And I know like, I'm definitely someone who likes to do a little meditation in the morning, but if there's ever a day where I just don't have the time or like things got off on the wrong foot, or I just didn't get a chance to center myself in that way. Um, this is like the greatest little tool to have in your back pocket to be like, Hey, didn't get my meditation, but I can sit for a second, put my hand on my heart and say that a couple of times. And it feels like I got my meditation. Mm -hmm. um, instead like or you know as opposed to having it um so it's nice to know that if I don't have time I can always do this right and ground myself so I really really like that yeah yeah I totally um, agree I think that's the one thing out of anything in this book that I took away it was that was the the key one for me yeah it's really really beautiful and I think it's also it goes right back to that feeling of like being your own cheerleader and being your own support system um, instead of relying on somebody else to kind of hold space for you when you're feeling anxious, but knowing that like, it's almost empowering to know that like, you've got mm -hmm. this, you're the one who can kind of be that um, holding space for yourself, be that container for your own anxiety, and bring yourself back to center. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes that can be hard to do, right? Sometimes it's, it's like you feel like you need someone else to just like give you a hug if you're feeling that anxious, right? Right. It's all about self-soothing. I mean, <laughs> that's why so many of us, you know, kind of self-medicate or, you know, between eating or drinking or drugs or, or whatever. It's like, this is a different way of doing it, a healthier way. Right. And it's so simple, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely... Just as comforting as grabbing those chocolate bars, guys, but slightly no, I <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. I guess maybe, both. <laughs> maybe, maybe both. Maybe <laughs> both.
definitely indulged in a chocolate bar right before this podcast. So, <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't anxious. I just, my mom was eating it. So, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, and I want to talk about like some of the other things that she talks about. Um, and this was kind of right at the end of the book. She kind of created like a little morning routine, like a little morning ritual to do. Um, and surprisingly, the one that's been the part, the part of it that had been most effective for me is making your bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so if we can go, if we go in order with what she says, she says, like, as soon as you wake up, she says you get up and actually out of bed the second the alarm goes off. Yeah. Well, let's touch on that really quick too, because that goes back to her first book that was a really popular and, um, it's the five, four, three, two, one, and then you get out of bed. Right. So maybe we touch on that first and, and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So that's her book called the five second rule. Um, and so she's talking about, um, like kind of getting yourself to actually like moving yourself from inaction to action and doing mm-hmm. things that you don't want to do. Um, and so she said, so all she does in her mind is count down from five or three, two, one. And there's a lot of studies behind that too, about right. like how that actually resets your brain and it kind of puts you into motion before you're actually about to do it. And it kind of shifts you away from, you know, doing your old habits. So to speak. exactly. Um, and so she, yeah, she has you kind of like the second the alarm goes off. I mean, I fortunately have the luxury of not having to wake up with an alarm these days. Um, thank goodness for that. But I do sometimes tend to like wake up, you know, when you wake up kind of like feeling groggy and you're just kind of like, oh yeah, uh, like didn't have the best sleep, want to kind of roll over, go back to bed. Um, and instead like just counting down five, four, three, two, one and making myself get out of bed, even though chances are I'd probably just want to lie there and like scroll on my phone, right. <laughs> um, which I don't recommend anybody ever does. Don't do that. Don't no. put your phone in your room. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not a high five habit. <laughs> yeah, not a good, it's not a good habit at all. Um, and I, I now don't even let my phone be in the bedroom because I, that will be, if it's right next to my bed, that's what I'm going to do. Instead of getting out of bed, I'm going to stay under the covers and like just scroll. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a lot cozier, but it's like the worst way to start off your day. Um, so yeah, finding like the second that I wake up to just five, four, three, two, one and launch yourself out of bed, whether that's with an alarm clock or not. Um, Did you find that effective? Have you been doing that? I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same where I'm not uh, the best waker upper, I guess is the way to put it. Um, But I have, I've, I've really kind of taken that one habit. Yes. Yeah. And it really does like set you up to be more productive during the day in the sense that like, you know, it's like the one thing, like, I I agree with you. I hate getting up out of the warm bed in the morning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And like, it's already like I started my day by doing something and pushing myself to do something that I didn't necessarily want to do. And it's empowering, like it's refreshing, it's empowering. And it does kind of help me like push my way through some other maybe like undesirable tasks throughout the rest of the day. um, Where it's just like, if I just like five, four, three, two, one, get myself to do it. Um, And I've actually been getting a lot more done than I have in the past um yeah so that's kind of cool and I'm definitely like your most typical procrastinator like it is like I am like the epitome of procrastinator (laughs) yeah so um if I can do it later I will if I can do it at the 11th hour I definitely will (laughs) right until there's a deadline looming over me usually I won't do it and I find that since I've been doing this it really has pushed me to like change my mindset of like you know what, if I just do it, (laughs) you know, that's going to feel good because you kind of started your day that way. Um, And on days when I don't do it, I feel the difference. Yeah. 
So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. So that's the first thing she says to do. You kind of launch yourself out of bed, literally launch five, four, three, two, one, <laughs> blast off. Um, and then she says right away, put your hand on your heart. Is that first? I think so. I think it doesn't really matter the order. I think. I don't, I don't know the exact order and I don't have the book in front of me, but yeah, that's okay. One of these things you do, maybe you do that first and then you launch yourself out of bed. One of the two, either way, at at some point, then you put your hand on your heart. I am safe. I'm okay. I'm loved or I'm supported and I'm loved. Um, and then she says to make your bed like Mm -hmm. right away. And the way that she talks about it, she says, give yourself the gift of making your bed. Um, and I really liked that. It's not like you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, but seeing it as like a gift for yourself for later, because it means that later on in the day, if you ever walk into your bedroom, number one, you feel like you have a really beautiful, clean room, but also number two, you get to get into a nicely made bed at the end of the night. And it really does feel like when she framed it like that, like this is a gift for yourself it feels really nice. And then I do get in the bed in bed at night and be like, Oh, I did this for myself. Like, <laughs> exactly. exactly. As I come to you from my bedroom with an unmade bed, <laughs> <But> <laughs> in all honesty, I actually do. That is, um, that has been, a, even before this book, it has, has been a habit of mine because for whatever reason, my husband, that's like one of his things. Like he's very into discipline. <laughs> he's like, one of the things that he read long time ago is all about first thing you do when you get out of bed is make that bed. So you know, it's just been a habit of mine forever. So, and it really does help. It's, it's nice to have, to look at a room with a made bed. Now there's different degrees of making, I will admit, but um, whether it's just throwing the covers over and kind of tossing the pillows on or actually organizing them and making them neat and tidy, those are two different things, but yeah, and I think we definitely had like a big debate about that in our book club in the yeah. guys community. We were like, so what classifies like actually making your bed? Like what's good enough? Is it enough to just kind of pull the covers up and walk away? Or like, do you have to actually like put in a little effort? And I think what we we kind of concluded is like the more effort you put into it, the more it actually positively affects the rest of your day. I think so. I think <laughs> at the point of actually taking the time to do something like that is a gift to yourself. So I mean, if you want to half-ass it, okay. <laughs> but that might be defeating the purpose a little bit. Right. And then it's kind of like, well, if you do half-ass it, like, is that how you're going to approach everything else in the day? Yeah. As well. And like, maybe do a little experiment with yourself and see, like, does it actually affect the way that you go about the rest of your day's tasks? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to try it now. and see. Good point. <laughs> yeah, but this actually was also a concept that I heard um, by a guy named Jim Quick. Um, and he's known as some, he's like the um, big guru in the space of um, uh, memory and setting up your brain for having like an optimal memory. So he does all these crazy things like he can remember like 300 names in the order that that he was, they were given to him and numbers like that. Wow. And he helps people like really have like good memory and good um, memory retention and all of these things. Um, I can't remember what book he had written. He's written a couple of books. Um, but he's it sounds really- familiar, but I don't know the names. Yeah, I can't remember. I'll, I'll look it up and, and post it in the show notes. But because um, he's a really interesting guy. I heard of him on a few podcasts. But he said the same thing that he's saying one of the things to set you up um, for to set your brain up for the day um, for being not only productive, but also effective um, in things like memory recall. Um, for some reason, there are studies that show that making your bed actually does help with that. <laughs> Um, who knew? Yeah, who knew? 
making your bed. <laughs> no wonder my mom was always telling me to make my bed growing up. Right, right. And you know what's just so funny is that like my parents were not like they never were sticklers about that for us. They were kind of like whatever goes on in your room goes on in your room as long as I don't have to see it. So <laughs> and the door is shut. <laughs> the door just gets shut, and then you know. And I know my parents notoriously make their bed every day. They always had. Um, but we were just like whatever. Closed the door and walked out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> so surprisingly, and my husband also he never makes the bed, um, or his side of the bed or whatever. And so you know, up until me reading this book, like our bed never was made. Like it really, we just never bothered. And um, I also never bothered. My husband loves to take a good nap in the afternoon. So I was like, well, what's the point? He's going to like ruin it later. And um, we've gotten into the habit of like making him remake it after he does that. So that we get Now, it. does he, did he notice right away that you were making the bed and did he question that? Well, you know, I was being a little bit spiteful at first where I was only making my side. <laughs> 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 that's funny <laughs> yeah because I was like trying to get him to do it too and like help me because we get out of bed at different times um and he goes to work much earlier than I do and I kind of meander out of bed an hour later um so I was hoping like I kept asking him like can you make your side of the bed before you go and he just didn't he was like I don't want to and I don't care so then I would just like spitefully only do my side <laughs> <laughs> I know guys, real healthy marriage over here. Um, but eventually I just started and actually he would start coming home and he would see in the evening that I was getting into this nicely clean made bed, um, or at least side of the bed. And he was, um, and he was having to untangle like his sheets. Cause he also has extra blankets and stuff that I just don't touch. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was like, how come you don't make my side of the bed? Like, can you do something nice for me too? <laughs> 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 like, well, you had your chance. <laughs> right. So now I've started making the whole bed, um, <laughs> which is nice of me, I guess. Um, and um, that actually has the bigger effect anyway, because then also like, it's not nice to start your day on a spiteful note either. <laughs> no, definitely. And who wants to look at a half made bed? Yeah. Yeah. But he has gotten into the habit that if he does kind of mess it up later in the day, which he inevitably will, Mm -hmm. um, he actually, without me having to ask him, has gotten into the habit of doing it because he recognized it does feel good to get into a made bed in the evening. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So that was good. And that's actually like a really good example of what they say about spirituality. Like you can't force it on your partner, but if you set a good example, chances are they'll follow suit because they Mm -hmm. see how good it feels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So yeah, definitely learned that lesson there. (laughs) Um, But honestly, for me making the bed now, um, it has, it really does feel like the biggest change for me in terms of productivity and not, not procrastinating right. um, because it's always been a chore that's like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Um, and training myself to be disciplined in that way really has launched me through the rest of my day to actually like get stuff done and take those things off the list. And I don't know why, like maybe it's all of the things combined, but for me, it feels like making the bed for some reason is like the catapult for, um, me being productive for the rest of the day. And if I don't, I really notice the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know that why that works, but there's tons of studies that prove it does and definitely give it a try in addition to, you know, high-fiving yourself and, <laughs> you know, getting out of bed and all of those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, so we talked about, so she says, you launch yourself out of bed, you put your hand on your heart, you make your bed. Then when you go to brush your teeth, you give yourself a high five. And, um, and then after that, she says, you put on your workout clothes right away. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that is like with the intention that you're already setting yourself up for moving your body right, you know, first thing in the morning, um, 
your clothes are already on you made it easier for yourself sometimes she even argues like it's probably helpful to lay them out the night before um and then you're kind of halfway there so all you have to do is move your body in some way (laughs) and I I agree to a certain extent however I mean it's not realistic for everyone to do their workout first thing in the morning which you know I get that um and you know probably half of society these days is actually wearing workout clothes anyway, when they get dressed. So (laughs) because we're all working from home. So it kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, like, there is something to be said about laying out your clothes the night before. Um, Definitely, when I was working as a teacher, I felt like if I didn't do that, my mornings were a lot more like rushed. Um, And it was hard to like, think, because you just, you're not thinking that straight, especially when you have limited time to get ready in the morning. Um, So that is always helpful. Now I have a lot more time. So I don't do that anymore. But um, if I ever do have like an early day, I definitely will do that ahead of time, you know, pack your lunch before, you know, do all the stuff the night before. Yeah, absolutely. But putting on the workout clothes, um, I find actually really does make a big difference that like, I actually don't, sometimes I never get out of them, but (laughs) (laughs) that's the other problem is like remembering to get dressed after you work out instead of like, I'm still sitting here in my fourth bra and it's (laughs) four in the afternoon. Um, (laughs) good job. Um, but it, it is nice to know that like, even if I'm not going to work out right away, because usually I don't. Um, I, like now being pregnant, I feel like I have to eat before I do anything else. If I wake up, you know, I'm just starving in the morning these days. Um, but you know, eventually, like I know that I'm gonna, I am going to work out because I'm already kind of set up for it. Yeah, um, so it does kind of help with it a little bit. Um, yeah, I think it's more the point is not so much setting the clothes out or putting the clothes on right away. Is make it a habit in the morning of moving your body somehow. Um, right even if it's doing stretching, light stretching or whatever. And then, you know, if you can't work out right away, it's just really kind of getting your circulation moving, getting your brain cleared out, like all of that, just to set up your day for, you know, you feel better when you do that. And it doesn't have to be vigorous. It can just, like I said, you know, simple stretching in the morning. That's true. And that probably is more the point than wearing the clothes itself. Um, so yeah, cause you can literally do that in your pajamas if you want. Right. That's totally just true. Saying. Yeah, I I agree. And I think you're right that like, even if it's not like your main workout of the day, like maybe you're going to go to the gym later or after work or whatever. um, It is good, a good habit for sure to move your body some way, shape or form in the morning. And even if that is just like five jumping jacks or a couple of stretches or, you know, a downward dog or two. Yeah. And then move on with the rest of your day. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you could do that in your pajamas and then get dressed. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So definitely, um, you know, that, that probably changes. I feel like that's the one that like changes for a lot of people. It it really depends. Um, so yeah. yeah. And like, I know, like it depends on the phase of life I'm in. Right. Too. Right. There are some days where in the phase of my cycle that I'm in and how tired I am and, you know, all of those things are big variables for exercising, but as long as there's some sort of movement, um, for me, I think that whether movement, of course, movement should be a non-negotiable, but for me, the bigger non-negotiable is get outside first thing in the morning. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's something for me about breathing the fresh air. And like, luckily I have to walk the dog either way. Um, But I find that if I don't do that, my day is really off. (laughs) Yeah. And I, same here again, I have a dog too. And I, although it's not one of the first things I do, I have to have, I, I will admit I have to have coffee first, but I do, um, I do take her for a walk relatively early in the morning. And I have noticed, um, that I haven't been able to do that for the last week, um, not take the dog for a walk and not get outside and move. And I see a big difference in kind of my mood and the way I 
kind of tackle the day and am able to be more productive. It just doesn't, it's not there. So um, there's definitely something to be said to getting out in nature and kind of breathing fresh air and moving the body and kind of noticing the trees and the birds and everything around. Yeah. And like, I sometimes say like, even if I don't get to meditate, as long as I walk the dog in the morning, you know, I still feel good. And from a physiological standpoint, um, you know, it's that endorphin kick, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, which it's hard to get otherwise, you know, not everybody's like having sex first thing in the morning. So (laughs) but that could technically count as exercise, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In an ideal world. Right. Um, but you know, going out in fresh air, just taking a few breaths, like, even if you just like, I, I sometimes tell people, like, even if I just like drink my morning coffee or tea, you know, on the back porch in the sunshine with the fresh mm, air, yeah. like that's enough to kind of almost be an impetus to get me to want to do more. <laughs> um, and maybe to do the exercise that I was dreading doing just by stepping outside. It's like that reset also. <laughs> I think so. And I think, um, there's probably some science behind it too, as far as just going out and being in the sun for a minute, right? If the sun's out, obviously, but there's that, um, the chemicals that kick off and the vitamin D and all that stuff is really like, kind of goes back to like, it's telling our body that it's time to wake up and, and kind of, what is it? The circadian rhythm, right? Yeah. It's really getting your circadian rhythm back in check. And it's, um, in the morning, if it's that morning sunshine, right. Starting to get that cortisol flowing. Which, cortisol, that's what it was. Yeah. And I know that like a lot of people like cortisol does have a bad rap for sure. Like they say like, that's the stress hormone, but your body does need a little bit of that. Um, especially during the day to kind of keep you moving and keep you going. You don't want it in the evening. Um, no. but first thing in the morning, it's a, it's a really good kick to kind of get the blood flowing and to get everything moving and kind of wake you up for your day. So right. better than coffee sometimes. So yeah. Um, is there anything else from the book that we like found really interesting um, or helpful? Should we talk about um, manifestation stuff? Yeah, I would say that she kind of gets into, she's, there's a lot of storytelling, which I really like too. So it's not just kind of, here's the steps and here's why, and here's the science, but she actually brings in a lot of really good, she's a terrific storyteller. So, and she told some stories about manifestation. So maybe we, we talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, for sure. Um, her, her manifestation stuff was cool and we'll definitely have to do a whole other episode on manifestation because Shannon and I are definitely manifestation junkies. We read all of the books and listen to all of the podcasts and take all of the courses that have to do. Oh, with yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. We love it a lot. We talk a lot about it in our, in our Facebook community. Um, but um, the way that she, the way that she talks about it is pretty similar to a lot of the other teachers, which is, you know, having the really strong belief um, that the thing that you're calling in is actually coming your way and is coming to you. Um, but not just like false positive hoping, Um, but really like having the self-esteem, self-confidence and belief that it really is possible for you. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems to be like her big thing is that like, if you don't believe that it's possible and that you're capable of um, making it happen, then it's not going to (laughs) happen. Right. Yeah. It kind of goes back to the whole point of doing the high five is to boost your self-confidence and believe in yourself and boost your self-worth. And if you don't have that self-worth, you're not going to be able to manifest things that you're calling in because you're not going to feel worthy of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, that's, that's the key is feeling worthy of the thing that you're calling. And that's why they say that, like, I can, I can say, I want a million dollars till I'm blue in the face, but if I don't actually believe that I'm worthy of it and in the sense that like, do I feel like I could handle that 
kind of money do I feel like I am deserving of that kind of money like truly on the like not just the surface level but like deep in my bones that I'm actually worth that amount um how is it going to come my way and so then using the high five habit to cultify to cult cultify there you go that's a word (laughs) a new word (laughs) to cultivate that feeling within yourself um is really really cool so um she talks about that that really cool painting I don't remember the name of the artist though that she talks about I don't either no yeah but it was like this painting that she saw when she first graduated college and I think it was worth like a couple thousand dollars or something yeah Yeah, I think it was like $3,000. She saw it at a restaurant she went to with her parents and just saw it and was really drawn into it and said, I want that painting. I'm going to have it someday. And, you know, she's a college student. She didn't have any money. So there was there was no reason. And she wasn't even like an art person to start with. It was just something about the scene in that painting that really just drew her in for whatever reason. And she was like, someday I'm going to have that painting. Yeah. And then there's like a whole story. I mean, we won't give the whole thing away because we'll let you guys read the book. Um, But definitely um, how like she just like it takes it takes her almost 20 years to get this painting or something. Mm -hmm. But the way that it comes to her is so magical. And she never actually ends up having to spend $3,000 on this painting. Um, so, and it it really, really goes back to her. She just always had the belief and anytime she visited that restaurant, she would just look at it and say, I'm going to have you someday. Like I am going to get this. And she never stopped believing that it was hers and that she deserved it. And, um, it came her way in like the coolest, most magical way. (laughs) Yeah. The thing I really liked about that too, is, um, we're always, you know, when we're trying to manifest things or call things in, we always have in our mind how it's going to happen, right? I'm going to do this and this is how it's going. Yeah, I want it to come to me like this. And the way this this story happened was she she never in a million years could have dreamed how it happened. Um, it wasn't like she went and, you know, I'm sure she was like, oh, I'll just someday I'll have $3,000 to spend or $10,000 to spend and go just go buy the painting for myself. But the way it actually happened was had nothing to do with how she thought it would happen. And so it's really a good lesson in not only like being worthy and, and, and feeling worthy and deserving of calling something in, but also letting go of the how that comes in and how it comes to you. Cause I, I know I'm kind of a control freak and I like to like, I need to know how it's going to come to me. And even if I don't have it planned, I'm like, how, how could this possibly happen? Right. I need to know the steps to make it happen. And just by letting go and letting the universe do <laughs> its magic behind the scenes, you can't even imagine how it's going to happen, but it does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me also, like that was a really big reminder. And um, this has been definitely um, apparent in my own life and my own manifestation journeys of um, just the reminder of, um, you know, that you can manifest the thing that maybe in uh, just in terms of the how, like not necessarily, you don't necessarily need to manifest the money to buy the thing but you need to but you just believe that that thing is going to be yours yeah um, somehow and then you kind of let go of all of the steps in between and even how the money's going to come to you to make it because you know even for her she never ended up having the money or maybe she had the money but she didn't like have to use money to get it um and it came to her without it needing money and um you know in a lot of the times that I've tried to manifest something I always focused on well it costs this much so I need to find a way to make this much money right and that's again getting all caught up in the house um instead of truly believing that this thing I'm calling in is what my soul is craving and therefore I am deserving of it and the how is up to the universe (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) money (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really cool reminder. And I do love that she gets a little bit um, spiritual in the book and it's not just about like the, the studies and the, and the physical habits right. um, that you can do, but also just like believing that the things that you're after are, are seeking you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it does always come back to the belief and deservingness of those things. Like, do you really believe in yourself and believe that you are worthy of those things? And that's where this whole book kind of comes together. It's like, you know, we can, we can try to manifest with all of the steps, you know, as much as we want until we're blue in the face. But unless we really, really feel good about ourselves and are vibrating on that level where we feel like that thing is ours, right? And we are worthy of that thing. Nothing else is going to help. It's not going to, you know, no magic spell is going to make it come to you any faster. Exactly. Yeah. And it's all about the deep work. And this is the deep work. And these are such simple tools to bring yourself to that level of feeling deserving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. It's a really yeah. good, like, tangible way to, like, start reprogramming your your um, subconscious beliefs about yourself. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And, and like you said, it's it's simple. It's not easy sometimes, but it but it can be that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there are other like self-help practices out there and um, we'll definitely seek to discover them. Oh, definitely. (laughs) You guys, but I think that what we like most about this book is that they are so simple um, and that you can do these every day to start reprogramming your brain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So again, it's High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. Um, So go out and read it and leave us or email us if you do read it and have any good, cool key takeaways or even come and join us in the guided path and leave a comment there um, and hop into some conversations going on over there on our Facebook group. Yeah, head over and it's completely free to join our Facebook group. So come and join us. We pick a new book on um, every month pretty much to read together. And we do a little book club in addition to a whole bunch of other things. Um, we have workshops in there. We we practice channeling and doing into um, intuitive development stuff. And um, we really talk about and manifestation and all of the woo-woo things. So nice. it's all over there um, in our Facebook group um, called The Guided Path. So come and check us out and come and join us. And if you do read the book, let us know um, if you tried the habits and what it felt like for you. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, this has been really fun. and I'm It has been fun. And hopefully it's been enlightening for some people. And Yeah. And by the way, we, this is not a sponsored ad. It's just a book we enjoyed. <laughs> yes. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, um, but um, we really recommend it and it doesn't hurt um, to try some of these help, self-help books every once in a while. So we hope it was enjoyable for you guys and that you took a couple of good takeaways away from it. And um, we will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye.